Good morning, everyone. My name is Tony Baker, and I am the lead pastor here at Gateway. Um, Today, we're going to continue in our six-week series called Unstoppable, the Kingdom of God, as we walk through the book of Acts. Um, When times are uncertain, when times are insecure and unsure, and fear is all around, uh, it's good for us to go back into the book of Acts to see this unstoppable God, how He moved... um, his community and his people forward in just impossible circumstances. Well, here we are again, uh, me preaching to sort of an empty room. Um, who's going to laugh at my jokes, right? Or uh, <laughs> Michelle and Gary raise their hand. But who, you know, it's, it's kind of goes flat when you try to be funny. So I'm not going to be funny today um, unless I accidentally be funny and then I'll be funny. But uh, So I want to start today just simply by saying just a statement about me, but uh, I've had these moments in my life, and I'll just say it this way, I've had many moments in my life when I needed to be bold and courageous. I remember when I was in the fifth grade, and there was a girl named Summer, and man, I like Summer, and uh, I remember... I finally, after maybe six months, or I don't know how long it was, it was a long time, got up the courage to write her a letter and to ask her, would you be my girlfriend? You remember that? In fifth grade, and you put a box, yes or no. That took courage, Gary. That took boldness to do that. You know, you risk the rejection. You risk the being made fun of. You risk the laughter, and you risk just embarrassing yourself. But it's amazing the things we'll do for love. I remember in high school when we had won the state championship and coach grabbed me and said, here, we got to go this way. And he walked me into this room. And when I walked into the room after the game and winning the state championship, there was hundreds of press and, and, uh, and uh, sports writers all sitting in chairs. And there was this table and I had to sit down and answer questions. Let me tell you something. In that moment, I needed boldness and courage. I was scared to death. I was afraid I might say something. I was afraid I might say the wrong thing or embarrass my school or my community. I mean, the whole state was watching, right? That was a moment when I needed boldness. I remember in college when I was chosen to be the ministerial student my senior year to give a sermon in the weekly chapel. I remember just going crazy that week and just, I'd never done anything more and and studied more and prepared more and said more times. I remember I said it so many times practicing it that week that I lost my voice. And I'll never forget as I walked up on that big stage there at Olivet Nazarene University and there was 3,000 of my peers and I turn around, there's the president and his administrative team and all the staff and all the ministerial professors, the professors there at all, I remember my knees knocking, reaching down, shaking crazy with a glass of water, and opening my mouth to a squeak. And the whole crowd laughed at me because I'd lost my voice. That was a moment in my life that I needed courage. I needed boldness. I remember when I asked Tamara to marry me, that took boldness and courage. I tried to be bold, but I probably came off more arrogant than anything. What are you shaking your head for, Gary? I remember. You remember, yeah. Uh, 
It takes courage. There's these moments in your life that you need courage. All of us have moments. Circumstances, situations, when anxiety pours in, or fear pours in, or uncertainty pours in, or you feel very insecure. The moments when you want to make a difference. Those moments in your life when you want to say the right thing. You want to do the right thing. You want to say something that's going to help, that's going to matter. You want to help a person. You want to help change a heart or a mind. And in that moment, you have fear, you have anxiety, you're not sure what you're going to say is the right thing, and you need boldness and courage. You want to bring about a necessary change, maybe at work or in your church, or in your school, or in your community, or in your home, or in a relationship that you're in, and you know you have to have the hard talk, you need boldness and courage. All of us, when we are faced with these moments, have two choices. Just two, really. We can either choose the status quo, we give in to the fear, we give in to this temptation to just Go with the flow. Keep it to ourselves. Don't rock the boat. Nobody really cares what I have to say, right? Or nobody really is concerned. Nobody's going to listen. It doesn't matter what I say because it's not going to change anything. So we shrink back in those moments when we really need to step up in boldness and courage, and trust our gut. Trust our heart. We can choose the status quo, and many times we do in a lot of circumstances, or we can seize the opportunities that come our way. With sweaty hands and pounding heart and fear that the results are not going to be good, or someone's going to reject you and not listen to you, it's not going to change anything, with those sweaty hands and that pounding heart, you simply step up in boldness, in courage, to speak the truth in the face of any obstacle. I've been talking for the last couple of weeks about this unstoppable kingdom of God, this unstoppable church, this unstoppable people of God. We, what we have seen throughout the book of Acts is that as the kingdom moves forward, <clears throat> as the kingdom is moving forward in our world, there will always be challenges, there will always be risks, there will always be things to fear. Things that want to get the church bogged down. Things that want to make the kingdom of God go backwards or just go away. There are challenges to the kingdom, to the spreading of the good news all around. There are outside forces and there's also inside forces that want to slow down and even stop the church from accomplishing its mission. Listen to me this morning. The kingdom of God grows when people boldly speak in tr- the truth in love 
into a spirit-led moment. Let me say that again. The kingdom of God will always grow and move forward. The kingdom of God, let's say it this way, will be unstoppable when the people of God boldly speak truth in love into what are spirit-led moments. Let me set up our text this morning. We're in Acts chapter 4, but before we get there, I first want to just give you a little background on what's happening from Acts chapter 3. So Peter and John are walking down the road, and there's this 40-year-old man who's been there for his basically his whole life begging. He's crippled, and they ask Peter, he asks Peter and John for some money. Do you have anything to spare? And this is that famous verse where Peter and John say, Silver and gold have I none, but this I have. Stand up and walk. And so (coughs) the man is healed. He stands up, starts running around. Everyone there recognizes him. This incredible miracle has happened. And, And the people are just amazed at what happened. So Peter in a spirit-led moment, seizes it as an opportunity to brag about himself. No. To think how great and wonderful he is. No. To get the pats on the back that he did a kind thing and a great thing for this guy. No. Peter seizes the moment to tell everyone about Jesus. Peter seizes the moment to talk about how he believes and trusts in this Jesus. He preaches to them that it is in Jesus' name, it is by the power of Jesus, not me or or John or anyone else, but it is simply in the name of Jesus that this man has been made whole. Look at Acts 3. 16, it says, by faith, Peter says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and now and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. (laughs) I love that. As you can see. Don't you see that man walking around? Don't you see what happened? So this event, this miracle sets the stage for a run-in with the big shots in Jerusalem. And that's where we're at in Acts chapter 4. Right after this miracle, Peter preaches to the people and the authorities get involved. Here we go. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking To the people. Next verse. They were greatly disturbed. So these authorities, the priests, the the temple guard, the Sadducees, the Sadducees are they're kind of the ruling party, the political ruling party of the day. It says they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Next verse. They seized Peter and John. So much for freedom of speech, right? And because it was evening, they just simply put them in jail until the next day. But many, listen, but many who heard the message believed. So the number of men 
who believed grew to about 5,000 people. That's because women, they weren't allowed to believe back then. No, I'm just kidding. For some reason, they said men there. I don't know. Maybe it's because they were just representing households. But basically, 5,000 households believed. Now, remember after Pentecost, the number grew to 3,000. So this means about 2,000 more families came to Jesus, believed in Jesus through this event. Here's something I want you to see in these four verses. When the kingdom grows on earth... When Jesus begins to be preached, the true gospel is shared with those who don't believe. When those who are far from God begin to come to God through the name of Jesus, forces will always be there to try to stop it. The idea of a kingdom, listen to this, the idea of a kingdom implies a king. And these men didn't know this kingdom. These men weren't sure about this kingdom. These men had their own kingdom. Kings scare us. Kings have power. Kings have authority. They rule their kingdoms and they rule the people of those kingdoms. King Jesus, who Peter is talking about, deserves our complete surrender and loyalty. This is what we resist. This is what the rulers resisted. This is what the the priests and the Sadducees and all of those leaders and religious leaders, they resisted this because King Jesus threatened their power, their authority, their money. He threatened all of that. We really don't want a king to rule us. Because we sort of like to be in control ourselves. Look what happens in verse 5. So the next day happens. The next day the rulers, the elders now, and the teachers of the law. So now it's not just the priests and the Sadducees. Now everyone's coming out. They all met in Jerusalem. They got the word out. We've got Peter and we got John. Ananias, Annas, the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other. Wow, he's just going through the list. Now listen, and the high priest's family. I mean, they all came out for this. They all wanted to hear this. They all wanted to hear what was going on. Next verse. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question him. Now listen, you've got to hear their question, because in their question lays bare what they're really worried about. By what power, they had a lot of power. And what name, in this world, names carried authority. By what power and what authority, you could say, did you do this? It's amazing how people can just overlook what God has done And just simply question, why and how did you do this? This is like having all three branches of government in one place. And it's like having Peter and John come and stand before the Congress, the Senate, the House, and the Judiciary. 
That's what's having all these people, and not only these people who had the power, but their families too. Because if you take their power away, their families will lose it as well. These men were the ruling class of Peter and John's world. They had all the power, all the authority, all the money. They were rich. They were wealthy. Why? Rome had given it to them. Peter and John helps this lame man walk again who had been crippled for his whole life. And get this, these people were threatened by that. Why? Because they hadn't done anything for their people. They were the powerful. They were the authority. They were the wealthy. They were the people who could help. And they had done nothing of significance in the lives of their people. And now they have this Peter and John come claiming the name of Jesus. By what power and what name did you do this? It says it all. What was important to them was power and authority. The question was asked, and here is another spirit-filled moment. Peter sees the moment, and he seizes it. Here is this moment that Peter could have shrunk back. Peter could have said, just tell them what they want to hear, because, you know, if I say this, they're going to be offended. If I say this, they're not going to believe me anyway. No, Peter didn't think that. Peter saw this opportunity to speak truth in love to the powerful. And he steps up in boldness and he speaks. Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's kind of important, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, next verse, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked, how is it, how was he healed? Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is, listen, and he quotes scripture right back at him. The stone you builders rejected, which has become now the cornerstone of our faith. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Boldness. This is kind of the drop the mic moment for Peter. He simply lays it out there. Doesn't worry about what these people can do to him. Doesn't worry about whether or not these people are going to believe him. Doesn't worry whether or not these people. He simply states the truth. Remember the story of Peter's denial? The night before Jesus was crucified, Peter couldn't even admit that he knew Jesus to a teenage servant girl around a fire. And he denied Jesus three times and ran off scared to death for his life. And now this same Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, stands up in a moment led by the Spirit to speak the truth. 
Listen, effective boldness for Jesus is a spirit moment, not a human one. That's important. An effective boldness. And I'm going to explain that here in just a few minutes. But an effective boldness for Jesus. In other words, a boldness that gets results. A boldness that changes hearts. A boldness that sees people say, oh, maybe I should look more into this Jesus. Is a spirit moment, not a human moment. You can't plan for it. You can't prep for it. You can't study for it. It doesn't come with a pep rally or cheering fan base. Come on, you can do it. It cannot simply be a self-talk way that I can do this. Look at verse 13. When they saw, listen, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, And realized, look, that they were unschooled. They were ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When our stand for Jesus is based solely on what we know or who we are, we get a boldness that is ineffective. As a matter of fact, we get a boldness that comes across as more arrogance and hateful and hurtful. Boldness is not. Now I'm going to just give you four things boldness is not. Boldness is not arrogance. When I know the truth, and I just simply know stuff, And the argument simply becomes, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm not being bold. I'm being arrogant. It becomes a moment of self-righteousness. When boldness becomes arrogance, I might not say the words outright, say I'm right and you're wrong. But if that is the attitude of my heart, others will see that. It points more to me being the know-it-all instead of me pointing them to Jesus. Peter was not a know-it-all. He just spoke of what he knew of Jesus. Not because he had read a book. He simply spoke of his experience with the risen Lord. And we must simply speak boldly about our experience with God. When's the last time in your life that you truly experienced a growing moment with Jesus? Boldness is not arrogance. And boldness is not a personality. It is not just jumping up in the lo- and being the loudest voice. It's not just jumping up and, and being heard. Being the loudest person in the room. Sometimes we think that boldness is tied to those people who have strong personalities. Who speak loudly and clearly and without fear. The most vocal person in the room is the boldest person 
in the room. And that's just not true. Sometimes we think it's that person who can stand up and speak about controversial issues to make a point. But Peter's boldness did not demand a crowd. He did not demand to be heard. He simply answered their questions. By whose power and name did you do this? By how was your life changed? How did you go from this to where you are today? How did this happen in your life? What has God done in your life? You simply speak. Not from a personality of loud and boisterous and good in front of people. But even the most meek and quiet person can be bold. If you simply speak and answer the world's questions in humility and with truth in love. So boldness is not arrogance. Boldness is not personality. And boldness is not me creating my moment of glory. Spirit-filled boldness watches and waits for God to ordain the appointment. And then he or she You and me, we seize that moment. We see it as an opportunity to share our faith, to share the gospel with someone who is asking the right questions. Boldness is more about obedience and following the leading of the Spirit than simply manufacturing my own moment of intervention in someone's life. You can't make it happen the spirit makes it happen so boldness is not arrogance boldness is not personality boldness is not me creating my moment and boldness is definitely not me crushing my opponent one of my favorite people in the world that i read a lot i've studied i've seen him live uh, is ravi zachariah who recently passed Uh, The Christian world has lost a great mind and a great apologist for the church. I went through a course where he taught apologetics. And many people, including myself, were there because we wanted to learn how to argue our faith. We wanted to learn how to argue the the finer points of the Christian faith. To to handle the atheist and the agnostic and the skeptic. And and and, and I really wanted to learn because he was a master at it. And and colleges would call and invite him in to debate uh, all of these different minds and thoughts and philosophies. And, And he was just a master at it. But I will never forget in one of his teachings, he basically said, in apologetics... When you are sharing your faith and you are arguing your faith and you win the argument but you don't win the person, you've lost. You miss the point. Too often we draw lines in the sand. Theologically, the way we live, we pick our fights in the name of boldness. Usually they're fights that we think we can win. And when others don't agree with us, we'll do everything we can to send them packing. And we feel better about ourselves or even proud 
that we took a stand. But I heard a relationship. And what we haven't done when we take those stands is that we've not made any difference in our world. The goal is not to win an argument. The goal is to win a heart. Peter won hearts that day. Yes, there were people who rejected his message. And there will be people who reject your message. But Peter was humble in all of that. He simply was faithful to, his tr- to the truth that he was sharing. Effective boldness comes from what God has and is doing in us. It is the Holy Spirit power coming through us to change our world. Power working through us, not to win an argument, not to be right, not to lift me up, but to transform lives around me. Effective Spirit-filled boldness will transform our marriages, our relationships, our work environments, our schools, our communities. Listen, effective boldness for Jesus is a spirit moment, not a human moment. Peter's boldness came from his relationship with Jesus. Acts chapter 4 going on. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes. So he's given the argument and the leaders of the the people said, okay, well, there's not really much we can do with you. Don't be talking about Jesus no more. That's what they said. Don't be doing that no more. You leave the people alone. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. And Peter replied, John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? (laughs) It's a pretty good argument. Well, obviously, they all say, well, to listen to God. Well, the guy I'm talking about came back from the grave. I'm going to listen to him. He said, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. This is the boldness that came through Peter and John that day. They were speaking of the things they had seen and heard, filled with the Spirit. So Peter and John are let go. They go back to the people. They tell them all that has happened. Notice what happens next. And and I'm just going to read through it. It's a few verses, but I'm going to read through Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. And then I'll give you a few points on that, and we'll wrap this up. On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire 
against our holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants, listen, to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Fear did not stop the early church. The leaders telling them to be quiet did not stop the early church from sharing the message that they knew to be true. They all came together and they prayed. But what did they pray for? Protection? Did they pray that God would change the political scene? Did they pray that God would give them new rulers? Did they pray that God would make it easier for them to spread the gospel? None of that. They simply prayed, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In the face of every obstacle, we want to be bold. When the government tells us to be quiet, we want to be bold. (laughs) When people threaten our lives, we want to be bold. We want to be bold to share the word. So let me ask you this morning, what is the subject of your prayers these days? i got to tell you, there are a lot of prayers going up for our country. And that's good. We should pray for our country. There's a lot of prayers going up because, you know, you turn on the news and you see the unrest, you see the strife, you see the division, you see the riots, you see all kinds of stuff happening in our country, and it just doesn't even feel like America anymore, does it? A lot of prayers going up for our country. There's a lot of prayers going up that a certain person gets the White House. You pick whoever that might be. I don't care. Many people are praying that the world's going to end if Trump stays president. The world's going to end if Biden becomes president. And everybody is just praying. A lot of prayers going up about the fear of a pandemic. And here we are. We did not make this decision in fear. We are not afraid. We simply want to protect those less vulnerable, the most vulnerable in our, in our congregation. It really was an act of love. Having several people come and, and that are part of our community and, and uh, test positive for COVID, we wanted to just protect those who are susceptible and at highest risk. But there's a lot of prayers going up. A lot of people afraid. A lot of people worried about their jobs, about school, about everything. You ever wonder why it seems that God used the first century Christians a whole lot more than he uses us? You ever wonder that? I've had discussions about that. Why were there so many miracles and we just don't see that today? Why this and why that and why, you know, they walk down the street and their shadow passed over someone and they were healed. Man, there's just, you read the New Testament and these first century Christians, man, I mean, have you ever been in a prayer meeting where the house shook and it wasn't an earthquake? When you read the events, you're like, wow, God, do this, right? 
I just don't see much of that today. Why? Why? Why don't we see it? Why don't we see lives changed, people made whole, healing? I mean, why don't we see all of this? And I I really think perhaps God found Peter and John and the others easier to use to build his kingdom. I think God just found in them somebody who silver and gold have I none. Freedom of speech have I none. Political power and influence have I none. Religious influence have I none. Education and standing in my community have I none. I just think Peter and John and the others had absolutely nothing else to depend on but God. They depended on the Holy Spirit to build His kingdom here through them. We sing the song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold, but I think if we would all just simply be honest, what we really mean is, I'm glad I have Jesus and silver and gold. I see us fighting for our rights to worship. I see us fighting for our rights for the freedom of speech. I see us fighting for our rights for all sorts of things. And I'm not against that. But I think sometimes I feel like Christians don't feel like they can be Christians if they don't have that. I feel like the American Christian will go to death itself to fight for a right because if I don't have the freedom, then I can't do this. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit filled them and overcame all of that. These men and women didn't have one right to their name. They didn't have one dime to their name. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have any of that. And the the kingdom of God exploded in their world. I just think God finds it easier to use people who don't hold on to so much. What if all of that was stripped away from us? What if all that we had, all that we depend on, was stripped away So that all we really could do is depend on God to build His kingdom here. Imagine if all the people called by God's name, all of the people who claim to be Christians, who follow Jesus, cared so much for the mission of God that their main prayer would simply be, God, enable us as servants to speak Your Word with great Boldness. Imagine what might happen if people filled with the Holy Spirit all in on the mission of God would just go in Jesus' name. Our worship team's going to come and they're going to lead us in an awesome song. Not afraid. I don't know where you're at today. I mean, I know you're home.
I know you're somewhere, but not here. But I don't know where your heart's at today. Ask yourself this question. What is your prayer? What are the subjects of your prayer? Is it just about you and your comfort? Is it just about healing? Is it just about this and that? Or is it, Lord, give us boldness. I got a feeling that if God's truly going to fill us, there needs to be some emptying first. Some things we got to let go of. Some things we got to let go out of our life. So some things that we're leaning just a little too hard on. And they've become a crutch and God just can't use us if we're not completely and utterly dependent upon him. Are you dependent upon him today? You can be. As we sing right there in your home, you can raise your hand online, you can say a prayer, or you can just say it to yourself or pray with your family. Lord, we want to be filled with the Spirit so that we might be bold in this world to share your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.